Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody and welcome to a second episode of the week of the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm your host Cameron O'Neill, joined today by Joe Thomas and Matt Jones to chew the fat on all things blues. Lads, it's been quite an eventful 24 hours maybe. I think we probably knew around this time that things were building up to something. We're going to say 24 years. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like 24 years, doesn't it? It's been very eventful. Obviously we had the news yesterday about the Premier League charge and the hazing. Masters has been speaking uh, to a DCMS committee. Obviously, there's been an update on the 7-7 potential takeover. And, of course, we have a Sean Dyche press conference as we speak today, this Tuesday afternoon, to preview the game at Crystal Palace, although I suspect off-the-field questions will once again dominate the agenda. Joe, we'll get right into it. Obviously, you, Gavin, Bees, done an instant pod last night. I think it's safe to say after the news was confirmed by the club in the Premier League. But as you're sitting now, I was on. What are your thoughts? What are your reflections on what, what transpired yesterday? It's difficult to comment too much on, on, on the latest allegations made against Everton without knowing the full details of the. We haven't got the finances. The Premier League aren't going to provide the numbers until the case. Everton aren't going to provide the numbers for some time. I'm still surprised that Everton are in this position. Um, you know, as we discussed yesterday, the, the financial year that drops off the record this time around was a, one of heavy losses. And from what we can see publicly from what the club did in the 12-month period that ended last summer, and which is a new period under scrutiny, publicly what we can see is that it was a it was largely a continuation of a theme which was, you know, sell players, reduce the wage bill. Now, it started this year, this year in question started with the spending on the summer of Frank Lampard and, you know, there was a significant outlay, commitment to a significant outlay in that. Obviously, we know that as we all have become, sadly, have become experts in football finances in recent years, we, we know that, you know, if, if Amadou Inanna signs for £30 million over five years, as a five-year contract, then that's £6 million on the books and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, but we had that outlay on the Frank Lampard and I think that, you know, one of the things that I've, I've written into everything since the 10-point deduction is the, is the fact that there was a genuine threat. I wrote a story in November, straight after the initial deduction, saying there's a genuine threat of Everton being in a difficult position again, not because I had any insight to the finances, but because the words were there within the report of the, of the panel you know, when, they were, when they were paraphrasing the Premier League's case against Everton. One of the cases, one of the mitigating circumstances that I've talked before was the fact that there'd been a positive trend of spending that they'd continue to cut their cloth accordingly. And the Premier League said, "Well, look at the summer of spending on the Frank Lampard. We disagree with that." And I mean, that was those were chilling words because you see in black and white in that we're all sitting here thinking everything, you know, the product on the pitch is getting worse and worse and worse. 
yeah, the club's plight on the pitch is getting worse and worse and worse. And then you see, but you at least hope that it's a short-term remedy that will provide the long-term foundations for a, a better, more sustainable Everton. And then when you see those words there, you think, well, is that actually the case? Now, even then, I'm still a little bit wondering, you know, they saw that in the Gordon, 45 minutes, again, the way in which these things work, that all comes onto the book, so you think that would cancel out most of the, the commitment that they suspended in the summer. Yeah, the Moise Keane deal would have come to an end, and obviously there was a significant fee for Everton for that. There were other deals as well. So... Whilst it was always a possibility, I was still surprised when the news came out yesterday. I still am surprised now. And I think the underlying that surprise is almost a little bit of fear in the sense that what if there's just something lying in those accounts that we just don't know about? Like, I said this yesterday, and I still kind of believe this. Now. I don't think that the Premier League has handled this case. I don't think the Premier League is implementing the profit and sustainability rules particularly well. But given the battle and the reputational fight it's had since Everton had the 10-point deduction, I would be astonished if there's a ser- if there's a serious case that Everton can put forward in this new against these new allegations of double jeopardy. You know, we know three of the four years that come under this new case, this new allegation, have already been dealt with by the 10-point deduction surely the Premier League will know the first thing that Everton will do if there's a chance of an overlapping, you know, double punishment for the same crime. Surely the first thing... They know that'll be the first thing that Evans lawyers come after, you know, the super silks will come after. And again, just how sad is it that we're here talking about amortisation, football finances, and, you know, what lawyers the club may, or may, may have hired. You know, we should be talking about completely different. We've got an FA Cup replay, you know, just had a good draw against a very good side in Aston Villa. Um... But, you know, it's it's just, there's, there's a big gap now, there's a big vacuum of information that will last for a couple of months, and within that period, it's difficult to kind of know where to set your store, because, you know, I just, you know, we don't know where to find out, so we're not going to find out for some time. I want to be in a position to defend Evan as much as possible. I don't think that the Premier League have handled this case particularly well. Um, I do think that there is a lot of legitimacy within the concerns over the handling of the case, within the treatment of Everton. Um, but there is also a little bit of, of me that is still very wary of the fact that, you know, as we have long discussed on this, and we wrote a lot last year, I can't stand up here and say this is a club that's been particularly well run over recent years, and therefore I can't also say that without any information from the club or the Premier League that there might not be something in the finances that you know means that a lot of the arguments that we are going to have are actually made redundant. I was going to say, Connor, sorry, like to me, like I think from what the club have said like, on and off the record, it feels like you know Joe speaking about that potential vacuum there for the two months. I feel like we'll probably know a lot based on what happens with the appeal from the the first the first one because the club said in the statement themselves in the yesterday that it looks like their mitigation for the first one them the, you know, the the meat of their case in the appeal for for the first breach is going to be sort of copied and pasted into what they're going to say about the second one mm-hmm. as well and like that's that's kind of going to be like their line of attack on both of them um so in one sense if ever to come out of that appeal for the first breach and all of a sudden it's wiped out or they get a suspended sentence or it's like down to you know five points 
then that could give you a bit more hope, I think, going forward into the second one. But if that appeal doesn't work, then all of a sudden I think everyone's going to start, <coughs> excuse me, getting a little bit more nervous because, you know, like like Joe said, not much has come out about this second one yet. Um, and it probably won't until we get the, the independent commission report. Um, but the club seems to be hinging a lot on, on this appeal and, and that working twice to, to sort of get us get us over the line. But, you, you know, you're right, Joe, aren't you, in the sense that, I was just thinking there when you're talking about what's, what's his name, Super Silk. Um, I mean, how long until we're doing stories on our site being, you know, Forrest and Everton battling out for January lawyer or something like that instead of actual players. Well, if I'm you know? apparently they're quite happy with their, their choice of legal options, aren't they? Yeah. You know, Newcastle got the, the, the Super Silk, is it Nick DeMarco? But it's just yeah. like, you know, it's, you know, I, I know people all like football and like different parts of football, but, you know, we sat there this morning, like you both said, we've got a, a cup replay tomorrow. Um, sat there watching the CEO of the Premier League speaking to the DCMS um, at Port Colour's house, and you just sat there thinking, "Is this is this what is this what we're all about now? Is this, is this you know is this where we are?" And like I know that I know that there's regulation in in the game to to try and stop cases like Portsmouth and Betty and, and these things are important, but you know it's not it's not why I like football or got into football, and I'm like I'm angry at. The Premier League for putting us through this, but I'm angry at the, the football club as well for being in a position where, you know, I'm sure people will be looking at this going, we've made the scapegoat off. Um, they're trying to use and this as an example because of independent regulation and they're scared of all that. Like, I, I, I agree with some of that to a certain extent, but in some ways, as well, Everton have kind of nominated themselves a little bit as a scapegoat by the way in which they've been so poorly run. And I think to even be close to the, the £105 million mark over the, those three years in what is the most cash-rich league in the world, one of the yeah. biggest sporting leagues in the world. Like, that that in itself is is, is a worry. Um, so it's just grim, isn't it? And, like, and I, I can sit here now and hopefully we can get some points back on the first appeal. Hopefully this second one in Manston off and hopefully we can stay up this season. But then, we were saying before, Connor, we could be kicking around in June in our shorts and get a notification on our phone saying Everton have been hit with a points deduction and relegated. Like that, 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 that's where we're at now. And like, any even if we get through that, we could be taken over by a group that the reports about the missing payments, transfer bans, penalties, concerns every single day, every single day about them. And like, that's why, like, sat here now, like, I, you know, I, I think there's a lot, plenty to be positive about with the manager. I think this team have got a, a good group of lads and have shown good things this season. But there are just these huge black clouds that, that are just there and. It's going to take a lot of things for Everton to, to get out from under them, unscathed, be it through these two charges and getting through them and staying afloat in the Premier League or getting suitable owners for, for the foreseeable future because I'll just look at both of them now and think, how are we going to deal with this? Like, what, what what's the result of, of both of these situations? I think it feels well that when one black cloud departs and yeah. there are not long after, doesn't it? They, they, you know, you think of the on-the-pitch stuff was always a struggle. Yeah. And obviously that it looked like Everett was turning around and that, but obviously now off the pitch dominates. But Joe, Matt says there about anger and fan frustration and stuff like that. It's a two-way thing, this is because obviously people are right to have a, a, a gripe with the Premier League all the way. Things are saying the lack of transparency around how these things are, have, have come to fruition. But again, the football club have put themselves in a position where they're there to be shot at, haven't they? And they're kind of the guinea pig that the Premier League needed, I think, to, to make a, yeah, a point I, out of. I think so. I think that's probably... Mm. Yeah, what we're going to get more of over the next few months is what we've had over the last few months, and that will be arguments around financial technicalities, mm. largely based on, on, on the stadium and, and interest payments. And 
whether they can be claimed back, whether they can't, and whether Everton are only in this situation, you know, because of you know, they've embarked on too many ambitious projects at the same time, you know, trying to compete with footballing's elite and build a you know an iconic new new stadium. Um, but it's, it's whilst a lot of that conversation will be over the the, the small print. Really, Everton are only in a situation where the small print matters because they've spent so poorly over such a sustained period of time. You know, really, in the grand scheme of things, the numbers over stadium interest and stuff like that pale in significance the numbers that have been spent in the transfer market. And it was a clumsy analogy that I kind of used to Matt before we got on here, but like it kind of works in my head, so hopefully it works on here as well. And I say those stadium interest payments, you know, they're like the the, 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 the I say the froth on top of a pint, you know, they might be the bit that spills over and takes Everton over the edge. But the real damage is done from all the beer that's underneath it, you know, the eighty percent of the of the of the glass that's already filled. And in this case it's been filled with several years and and it's feels daft talking about them because they already feel so distant but these are the years of the of the reckless and irresponsible you know spending and transfer markets hiring and firing of managers and directors of football and the compensation packages and things like that you know Everton don't end up in a situation where things like the interest and that on certain loans matters so dramatically if they haven't spent so poorly elsewhere and that is part of the issue and then you know my overriding fear or feeling at the minute i think you know as i got up this morning is one of um almost a bit of sadness really in the sense that as matt alluded to there i feel like everton and separately Everton supporters to a certain extent are trapped in slightly separate cycles of despair and doom, neither of which there's a clear way out of. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. You know, I started this by saying I can't guarantee there's nothing in the accounts that will make us all rethink, you know, the unfairness of the second charge when it comes around. But in terms of what we can see from publicly from what the stadium, what the club have done, you know, it's clear that in recent years there has been a change of tack. Mm. There has been a move towards... From from the bits that are visible to us, and move towards more financial maturity. We've seen the kind of the constraints that Kevin Falwell has had to work under, for instance. And if you're a club that's already got itself into a mess, there has to be a way out of it. And if you look at for Evans have been charged again, it suggests well, selling players isn't enough. Reducing the wage bill by getting rid of the you know the squad, you know, mm. fringe players, isn't enough. Building a new stadium, which will in, in in time create greater revenue to strengthen your financial position, isn't enough. 
So, like, what, what, how, like, I think a genuine question that I, you know, we may still not know the answer to at the end of this, whatever the result of Evans' case is, once a club has got itself into a difficult position, how, how what is the route to get out of it? And that's yeah. probably the question of the, that's where the fears of double jeopardy and the unfairness of being charged in consecutive seasons comes across because you've had the first punishment. Well, then, as a club, and it feels like Everton have tried to right some of the wrongs. And just as it's getting up, you get kicked again, just as you end up after a summer in which you spent no money other than a handful of millions on an Anna Danjuma um, loan fee, where you've sold your brightest academy player who now that he's back from fitness is banging goals in the championship again for a team that will probably mm-hmm. be competing. Well, they all competing in the Premier League next season. Whether they're doing that against Everton is now more on Everton and, and what happens yeah. off the pitch than it is on Leicester City in their promotion, I, I think. Where you sell a, a player like Alex Awobi, who is you know, who was a ever present under both Lampard and Deitch on the final day of the transfer window. Yeah, they they've done all that. And if that's still not enough, then you know, what, what 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 do they do? There's not a way out of it then. Yeah, you know, just as they're coming up, just as despite all that, you have Deitch there and you know, he's created a side that somehow, and I still don't really, I still don't understand how, I think he deserves such immense credit. Like, I don't think that anybody could have done a better job than Deitch has done in the mm. 12 months. Like, I don't think it would have been possible to have get, kept Everton up and then got them any further than what they are currently now, which is a mid-table side that by rights is 11 points from safety. So just as you're starting to emerge from, you know, from from, from the depths, you didn't get another kick. It just seems, how's, how's that right? So how did, how did a club escape this? I think it's a genuine question that the Premier League need to answer. You know, it's one thing encouraging clubs to comply, but once they have breached it, how do they get out of it? And the second one is, from a fan perspective, you know, just listening there again, and, and look, 777 are an issue that perhaps have kind of gone under the radar over recent weeks because things have just been so, there's just been so much to do. But, you know, they, they need to come back onto the radar Um and they will do in in the echo, um, you know, in in the coming days and weeks, because because they have to, because and that's almost a bigger picture here. But obviously, we just hear them there. You hear Richard Masters in in the the select committee talking about how yeah, this we've, we've had several months of this, and there's still weeks at best away. And there's a suggestion that they haven't provided the answer to all the questions that the Premier League won. But what's the best case scenario here? If you look at if you look at the clubs that they currently own, now 777 will say that they're in what is a long-term process to rebuild clubs that were distressed assets when they got them. But if you look at Vasco da Gama, and if you look at Genoa, and if you look at some of the other clubs, the stories that their fans are living right now, and some of these have been owned or influenced by 777 for more than a year, is one of the same. It's points deduction, or the, it's the threat of points deductions. It's the imposition of transfer bans. It's questions over finances and whether they're affording the bills and whether they're complying with financial regulations. So it's it's very, very difficult to see. Whilst some of them might say that's a journey, that's the start of a journey, if that's the best case future for Everton, it's just more of the same for Everton fans. But then what's the alternative? If they don't come in, well, look where the current or what remains of the long-term regime at Everton has left the club in. And who knows who's waiting in the wings if if it was to be another third party that was to come in and, and swing. And that's, like, it feels so defeatist and downtrodden and, and obviously don't want it to sound that way. And I think we can all take a huge, huge amount of comfort and 
um, passion and pride in what the supporters have done so consistently for so long at Everton, whether it be you know, the coach welcomes and, and the support that helped keep them up under Frank, or whether it be the demonstrations and the the activities and the protests and the way that is so emphatically and cal- yet calmly made its voice known since the deduction. We can take a lot of pride from that. But how do we end up out of this cycle? I don't know what the answer to that is either. Mm. And that also worries me. I know that there are probably there will be a lot of people that are listening to this and their dominant emotion at this moment will be a complete anger and you know, they'll be incensed at the fact that the club have been punished you know, are potentially going to be punished again for breach of, 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 of these of these rules. But trying to step back from a long to from a from a wider perspective, you know, it's bleak at the minute. And the one thing that offers, or other than supporters, the one thing that offers a little bit of hope in this is the players on the pitch and what Dijk has done with them. Mm-hmm. And that has already been undermined by a 10-point deduction. And it could be further undermined. You know, it doesn't all, it could get to a point where it doesn't matter how many points they're going to get this season. It could end up with another deduction. Or, and this is another thing that's worth thinking, they might not get another deduction, but the, the, the independent commission in the last case said a fine, doesn't, a fine for wealthy owners doesn't have any impact, yeah. so it's pointless. Well, the only other real option is a transfer ban and I'm telling you this summer a transfer ban would be a transfer ban would probably be worse than say another three points deduction for Everton mm. because if you look at that squad obviously Dan Juma and Harrison go out it's already a small squad they go back to their clubs Everton wouldn't be able to sign them I, I need to work out I don't know what the, dish, it, the issue is about the rules are about handing out new contracts to players or out of might, but even if you can do that the only way they're going to get a squad together next season is by giving Contracts who don't want who decide yeah. 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 like to go over isn't it? It'd be like what, three, figure yeah. salary. Are they, gonna have, yeah. are they gonna have are they gonna have two fullbacks approaching 40 again next season? Yeah. Obviously Coleman can stay as long as he wants. We all agree. Like, I mean Like that that's that's like the, the like speaking more as like a fan now than like a <laughs> like a journalist, it's like that's where I look at the the rest of the season and, and you know Joe's right like fans have been amazing throughout all this they've kind of the last two years yeah, well, well I mean you can't yeah, it, I mean there's, there's been in, there's been indignance there's been anger but it's all been done in a, like a good way hasn't it it's not like I don't think it's crossed over into anything like reckless or, or ranty like whenever I've heard like you know any any of your podcasts or people speaking about this or you know going on Sky or BBC or whatever like that I think it's been done in like a, a really good way but it's the, it, it's this potential retrospective points deduction of it thing now which is i think it's, it's just gonna loom over everybody isn't it and like it made me think of like um you know in, in f1 where sometimes they just take 10 seconds off somebody <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and like time it's, penalty it's the worst sport in the world anyway like you, yeah. even without that there's a reason why people think it's so boring but like but like where 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 do we as like again as supporters like where does the joy come from now like between now and the end of the season like maybe maybe the FA Cup. I'm sure we'll speak about this a bit later on. But maybe the FA Cup's different because you know they can't take ten points off you in the FA Cup. Can't, can't kick us out. Yeah. Well, well, But it's like say say if we you know we've got Liverpool at home, haven't we? Between now and the end of the season, um, and I'm sure if we won that, it'd be it'd be a, a good it'd be a good day, and everyone'd be made up of Goodison Park. But like, what what would that count for? It means nothing. But yeah. Like what, yeah. what what does what does that actually mean? Like unless yeah. let's not forget in all this as well. You know, this is this is meant to be a time where we should be 
getting to Goodison Park and like soaking in, Savoring and enjoying every, every little bit. Yeah, every, yeah. you know that that stadium as well. Like we've we've all grown up watching this football club. You know, the prospect of, of going away from there anyway. As much as the stadium on the front looks looks great. You know, for me, the thought of leaving Goodison Park anyway in normal circumstances, having an average season, is heart wrenching. And like, you know, the thought of walking out that ground for the last time is is horrible. Like, I've, yeah. tr- I've been trying to go to the ground and and savor it and look at different things and and all this sort of stuff. And now we've got this hanging over all that as well. And like, and like this this is tainting that. So not only is it just ruining the match they experience anyway, potentially between now and the end of the season, because we don't know if the wins we've got are even going to matter. Like this. This journey we're on towards the end of this amazing stadium, this place where we've spent so much of our lives, where people have spent all of their lives, it's, it's being tainted by it as well. And it's like, it's uh, it, it, it's so it's so heartbreaking. Um, it, it, it does generally get me quite upset. And I, I was saying this like yesterday, like I think for me, like if, if Everton were to go down, and it's not a situation that, I, that I, you know, obviously I don't want to see that happen, but that, that in itself is like a life event. Yeah. Like, I, I, you know, I'd want to be like, in the ground next to me dad to and going through it together with the people who we've sat around for years or I'd want to be in the pub with my mates who are going to watch the away games there with to, to sort of go through it because it's it'd be, it'll be horrible but it's it, you know football is about shared experience it's about the good and the bad it's about good and the bad and going through it together and we've not had many good moments down the years but those bad ones have always been a little bit better because you've got that that person from your family next to you or you've got your mates there with you to, to go through it with you can have a drink and you can get through it you know, I, I remember after the four-one lost to Newcastle, being in the pub afterwards, and they put like a a, a funeral playlist on. And it was, it was gallows humour, but like you know, it's yeah. what it's what it, you know. Those you know, those, those are little moments yeah. you remember, and the, but the thought of like Everton being relegated by getting you know similar to what you were saying the other week about when you were when you were off and you got the notification for the ten point deduction just on your phone like what yeah imagine that's how you find out everything to get relegated yeah. like you know you're in it's june you're out doing your weekly shop and you get a notification on your phone and like and that's it you're gone Ever, everton are relegated and like i suppose this, this is a separate issue from the whether everton should be punished whether the, the punishment's too severe and that sort of stuff but but this 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 can't be the way things are done you know, I, I seen a tweet last night, and so and it was someone said, "Goals are now given or ruled out by computers, and clubs could be relegated in the courtroom." Yeah, and I thought, well, that is modern day football, Premier League football in a nutshell now, isn't it? Yeah. You know, like but every the way it's gone, like that, what happens on the pitch, what you say there is probably insignificant to some yeah. respects. Like you it's say, it's been you know, the game's been sterilised, yeah. hasn't it? And yeah. like, I, I guess as much as like. <laughs> whatever you, what, you know, the Premier League will say these rules have been brought in because they don't want another Portsmouth, etc., etc. Others who are a bit, a bit more cynical, maybe like myself, would say perhaps they've been brought in with a view to protecting the established order and, and falling in line with that. You know, whatever, whatever way you want to go about it. But you know, I, I don't think this is ever going to work if you can have a situation where Everton can win on the last day to go a point clear of Team X and then. Ten days later, they might go. Well, actually, you know, we're gonna have some of those points back. Yeah. I feel like, how, how how can anything have any meaning whatsoever as a as a, a fan going to the game when that's that's the case? It just dilutes it all and sterilizes it all, and it's it, it's pretty awful, I think. Joe, match lose today. Richard Masters was talking today in front of a DCMS committee. Obviously, he's the Premier League chief, the main man, and he made a very interesting update on. 777 and the potential takeover and how long it could take before we find out whether they will be the New Orleans Reverend Football Club? Yeah, I mean, he was asked how long it will take and his his answer was he doesn't know. I think it's, it's important to start mm. that 
uh, and it was later ended up being hopefully weeks. So, you know, I think that we all know that a decision is looming on that front. It can't not be. They've already had several months of, of, of doing it at some point. It is a hint that they haven't had all the answers to all the questions that they've asked, and that's unsatisfactory. Well, at some point, there has to be a, a line that's drawn, and you have to be in acceptance that if you keep asking questions, you're not going to get any answers, then maybe mm -hmm. those answers aren't going to be provided, and you're going to have to make a decision. Um, yeah, but it's, it's just one of many things just hanging over heaven at the minute. And, and like I say, I, 777... You know, we, we need to return to this subject. And I think that as um, positive as it's been to see things like the political support that Evan have had in relation to the point seduction and things like that, I, I, I do think that it is worth at least trying to kind of focus some of those minds on what's it, because 777, if they come, will be here to stay potentially for a long time. What they do is going to have a huge impact. And, you know, Obviously, the status of the club that they inherit, if they get the green light, will be interesting. But, you know, things like what they're going to do with the stadium, you know, we haven't had any answer about how they're going to fund it, where they're going to sit within the model. All these questions that we were asking in November are probably taking the back seat because of, you know, for, for genuine, for legitimate reasons, because obviously it's not insignificant what's happened to Everton in the six weeks or so since. Um, but I think they do need to return to the table a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it didn't look. Good. It didn't look like a straightforward case that the Premier League are doing. It's not like they're saying, oh, yeah, you know, we're just dotting the I's and crossing the T's and, you know, we're, we're a little bit away. It's, it looked like it was problematic and that isn't great. Even Richard Masters sounded a bit frustrated with them, didn't he? Like, it was weird. That wasn't a great I, like, I don't think was I it, like, really. You know, and listen, you know, we're, can I take his word for it? But, like, everything he said was kind of on the same themes everything that's been reported about them isn't it mm. in the sense you know things taking too long the delays frustration like it it all kind of fed into that that no, wider that, narrative yeah. that's being built up about them before they've even you know but 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 you know again like like, like joe was saying before you know whatever happens with, with triple seven i'm you know personally I, i'm really concerned about them mm. and you know sort of put on twitter jokingly before that you know richard masters hit you know, seemed a bit annoyed at them. Does this mean it's not going to happen? Hopefully, um, but if if they don't come in, Everton have taken a lot. <laughs> Everton have loaned a lot of money off of them. Yeah, um, Everton have been letting them put statements out on, on the club sides. They've been front of centre in the director's box for, for games. I mean, what, what like what's got off what, what, farm, haven't they? Yeah, like what, what's what's that all about? And it's like, and again, it, it goes back to what we were speaking about at the start. Like, and I think maybe there's this idea that. If Everton get through these charges, then it's going to be like, whew, right, big deep breath. Thank God that's over with. You know, they're having to loan hundreds of millions of pounds right now to keep the club mm -hmm. going right now. And, and, and what, what does that say? I'm, you know, where's paying back those loans going to lead us further down the line? I want to come in and take the club on if you've got to repay your indebted to, to, to people. Yeah, yeah. That's, I think that is part of the issue, isn't it? Yeah. 777 are clearly a, a, a problematic organization. Um, yeah, with question marks on how some of them run, how they run, how they finance, and and their operating models. And I'm sure that they, you know, will, well, maybe they will answer questions, maybe they won't. They possibly don't have to to us, but hopefully the Premier League, in in that case, is doing a a, a proper, rigorous, responsible job. But Evans' future, seven seven seven, have a big part to play in Evans' future, whatever happens, because they have to take over the club. 
Yeah. Or they've got 150 million pound on probably quite high interest rates and yeah. he's paying back at some point. So, you know, I mean <laughs> if you're a prospective buyer out there, you know, would you want to go and invest in, in something like that? You know, it's well this is it, isn't it? And, and if you look at Everton as a as an asset, you know, you're taking over a club that's got what, 150 million pounds of debt to 777, similar to rights and media funding, other facilities as well, stadium to finance and things like that. It's your starting point is a huge expenditure. Like it is impossible to pick up Everton on. It, technically, it's impossible to pick Everton up on the cheap. Mm. You know? <laughs> like but, but these these don't matter. Very <laughs> realistic, realistic things happening, though, aren't they? Like you know, people yeah. often talk and say, "Oh, you know, you can over-centralize stuff." But this is all going on right now. You know, Everton have had to lend a lot of money off seven 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 to keep going. The the takeover is rumbling on, and they're now facing the Premier League charge. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I was looking forward to this week just talking about like James Tarkovsky's tackle at the weekend, yeah. <laughs> like moaning about the booking <laughs> and how, and how ridiculous it was. Yeah, I think, I think, like, as, as fans, it's just, I don't know, maybe this is a bit dramatic, but it's just, it's horrible when you feel like you've just got like no, no hope, isn't it? And like, I think, I think. You know, after the first deduction and we went on that run, like you could kind of see a way out of it, and then you get, you know, we we get hammered, don't we? All this, all the time of like different things from different areas. Like, you know, we we went on a went on a four game winning run. Everyone was buzzing. We were in the you know quarter final of the cup, and then on the pitch and on, it does the daftest penalty you'll ever see. And we and, get to yeah, injured, um, gets injured, <laughs> and and then every day in the you know. And you see on on Twitter and on news sites, it's seven 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 have done this, seven 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 have done that. Then you get more reports about potential um, breaches and points deductions. Like it's just relentless, isn't yeah. it? And like it just it just it just gets you down a little bit. And like as much as like you know going into going into this year, and I remember like after the the points deduction, and like I remember thinking, right, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and be positive about all this. I'm gonna try and see this as a, as a way we can all come together. You know, all the cliches that we're all sick of now in, in regards to the deduction. And like I was like, I'm gonna make a conscious effort to try. And be more upbeat about this football club because I, after a while, I like this manager. Like after a while, with some of these players, I, I like these players as a group really. And I think like that they are the two most important things. Going back to what I said at the start, like they are the things that I like football for. So I like these lads. I like this manager. So we've been trying to get behind them and be positive about them and give them as much grace as possible. But it's all the other stuff, isn't it? It's just it just hammers you every day. Like every time you get a little bit higher about the team, you get slapped back down with something else. Never get optimistic. That is the worst thing yeah. you can if do. If you don't ever have hope, Connor, they can't take it away from exactly, you. Exactly, yeah. But, I mean, how depressing is that? Like, they, 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 like, this should be a time where we are looking back at Goodison Park and its amazing history, and we should be sitting here going, wow, get get me in that ground. Get me in that ground on the front. I, I cannot wait for that. But being brutally honest, I just can't get excited about it. Like, I, 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 get, I get the train into town, every other day and I go past it and I, 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 because of what's going on around the football club and because of what's going on with the Premier League I just look at it now and it, it's this is really sad but I go that's a great bit of architecture you know it's a great building but I don't, I don't really associate it and I can't really see myself sitting in there and enjoying a good Everton team in, in the top flight because of all the other stuff because of because of all the bluster that's around now with finances and Going back to what we were saying before with, with Joe and, and not feeling like there's a way out, like that's that's grim. Like it, it, this this should be like one of the most exciting parts of our history, and we should be going, wow, what an amazing stadium, what an amazing facility. And I, I just look at it sometimes and I think that's that's a big impressive build and it's going to be a huge millstone around our necks. 
we are live on YouTube and people have been getting... Into... Sorry if I'm just depressing everybody. <laughs> SR says, surely the cost of living has skyrocketed, yet the amount you can over hasn't aligned. Surely it's a good way to have this thrown out. Well, I think we won't roll that until we see the first appeal will be on board. No, but I think one of the points that the club is, is quite keen to make is the... The limits of losing other than five million pounds over three years have been in place for the best part of a decade, and they haven't risen with inflation. Mm. But Everton could have um, potentially raised that only and put it to a vote to change that if they wanted yeah, to. Yeah. So, like the club, so the club's perspective is one one of the club's many frustrations over this is a belief that that one hundred and five million pounds limit has been made redundant by the inflation. But as Matt says, or at least you know these these rules have been in place for a decade. All the clubs that are in the Premier League have known about them. And yeah, you know, the twenty clubs are stakeholders in the Premier League, and they, they genuinely thought that they want to make a case for them to be risen. Then they could have. They could have. Maybe they did. I don't know. But if they did, they weren't successful. Tony Nesbitt has also said, "Sorry, lads, we've had a black card over us for the best part of a quarter of a century. Spot the goal scorer at the club." Which I think leads us nicely on to some football talk. Oh, <laughs> I yes. think we've chewed the fat enough over all the things off the pitch over the last, well, yesterday in the first part of today's show. Because Everton are back in action on Wednesday night, an impromptu FA Cup replay after the 0-0 draw with Crystal Palace at the turn of the year. Just when Sean Dyche, after Christmas, thought he was going to have a nice little holiday and a nice little break, uh, a replay with Crystal Palace was thrown right into the mix. Matt, it's a big game. Yeah, I'm all in on the FA Cup now. All I, in? It, yeah, all in. I, I, my, my main aim for the rest of the season will be go and win that, that, that cup. Um, because we might be sitting here in May not knowing about relegation with a 20 point deduction. At least we can look at the FA Cup. Yeah, at least, at least, yeah, like I said, well, who knows? They might be able to take it off. But yeah, I, 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 just go, <laughs> I just go all in on it now. It's like, you know, the, the, this is this the competition now, I think, is the one and bit to the end of the season which surely cannot be tainted by anything that might happen or mm. is happening at the moment. And I think, listen, the squad is short, obviously. We appreciate that. We've got players injured. We are in a relegation battle, and it, and it could get even worse. But just, I just want, I just want to enjoy something between now and the end of the season. And I feel like winning this game, potential winnable home game in the next round. All of a sudden, once you win those first two games in the FA Cup, you're thinking, you know, we're only was it? You'll be two games away from Wembley then, or three yeah. games away from Wembley. Um, and I want to have like. I want to have like a good day out at Wembley, either working with you lads or down there with me, me mates on the ale, or, or I want to get to a final like and, and, and have some kind of positive memories to take from this season. Um, so I'd be going all out, all out for this one. I'll be playing stronger side because we've got a big break after it. Um, and yeah, just just give us something to enjoy between now and the end of the campaign. Joe, Everton shouldn't need any inspiration, in my opinion, for a cup main because it's been far too long since we obviously won a trophy or even got to a final. But surely the perhaps underperforms against Fulham in the League Cup a few weeks ago, Goodison should fuel a little bit more fires the belly and want to right the wrongs of that night because, yeah, they went out on penalties and they were unfortunate, but I don't think that was Everton's best performance so far this season. Certainly from what we'd seen in the road to that game, was not really the levels that we, we witnessed. Yeah, Fulham was a big missed opportunity, I think. Um, I mean, there was a pattern with Fulham there. I mean, they're, they're basically Sean Dyche's Everton kryptonite, aren't they? They've won, <laughs> yeah. they've won three times at... Uh, at Goodison Park in 2023, all against Knights, yeah. didn't they? And obviously the next game in the league as well. So yeah. going down to Craven Cottage. Um, and yeah, like, I mean, I I was gutted with Fulham, um, but I also had sympathy for the players a little bit because I thought that they'd been going through such an intense run and a run that started with the points deduction as well. Yeah. So it would have been a hugely stressful and emotive period for them. 
and that felt like it was a it felt like it was a game too far. We we then saw what a game too far really looked like. <laughs> but but that felt like it was just a, they were a bit hungover at that point from all the games that they were playing. It was a shame it was on that occasion. And you know even then I still take some positive from Fulham from the fact that despite playing so badly against a relatively capable team, they still somehow managed to drag their way back into it. Mm-hmm. They still managed to get that goal um, to took it to penalties. Unfortunately, what happened since then. But they should need no motivation. And that's it. So they've got a big break now after this game until, well, if they were to win it, they got a week and a half. So yeah, if they were to lose, then they've got about two weeks until Fulham away mid, in midweek. But you know, I, I think that we saw, we saw how much impetus and momentum that the Carabao Cup run and you know, it got to the quarterfinals yeah. in the end. But how much that provided to the club, you know, I think that the. All, everything the, the foundations for everything positive about the season on the pitch were laid in the week where um, and one away at Brentford got their first league win the season and then one away at Villa in the cup and all of a sudden okay there were still more bad performances after that before things really got good but it was like oh wait a minute this side can actually turn yeah. up and do bits and as an away fan they said they'd seen two wins in the week away from home and you haven't only seen you know two two league away wins each season of previous two so it kind of like stirred the the embers a little bit um and i i don't think the the value of that can be can be underestimated i think you know Deitch is clearly competition is close to his heart obviously you know we got to the semi-finals with chesterfield um and i fully expect him to play a strong side I mean, there is another point in the fact that the squad's so small. There is only so yeah, many changes yeah. that he can make as well. And you know, I, I, I know Dwight Manil got on the pitch the other day, but I'd still be Didn't a bit surprised. Like I'd still be surprised to see him start. Probably your biggest questions: whether you go down to uh, better or Dominic. Well, that leads me nicely on to the next question, Joe. Because yeah. I was going to ask both of you: what, what do you do? Because obviously, we saw at the weekend, Carl Wattler missed a golden opportunity, mm. a sitter almost to to put Everton in head. Who knows, they could have maybe saw that game up 1-0. Better obviously come on, but didn't really carve out any real openings for himself. Matt, if you're Sean Dyche tomorrow night, who are you sticking by? I, I think I'd stick with Dom. Like, I, I was disappointed with both of them on Sunday, but like, I, I, I don't know what was up with Better. Like, it, it looked like he was in a mood like from the second he came on at the weekend. And he was just like, usually when he comes on, there's like huff and puff running around. But I, I don't know, I don't know. He just seemed like he was just off. Um, on Sunday, but yeah, I, I, you know, I, Dom is out of form and lacking confidence and needs a goal desperately. Um, but I still think he'd probably offer us a bit more. My, um, my worry, but sorry, my worry better is, is that I just don't think he's a very good off the bench player. I don't think he's got the tactical notes to come on and be able to make an impact. I think he runs rounds and you know, yeah, it's a bit of a headless chicken almost. You know, you think the Newcastle game where he might get in behind and he might get one opportunity, but I don't think he has the tactical perhaps now at this point to come out and have a real impact on a game and change and do something different. I, I, just think, yeah, I think that's quite a, a astute point to be. Fair. I just think he's he lacks that bit of intelligence to. Yeah. It's just it's just a bit chaotic when he comes on. I yeah, think and I mean, sometimes it works, maybe, but I think in games like that, wouldn't that, wouldn't that make a tactical him, battle? Like, where's he going to? You know, wouldn't that make him more allied to being? Impact sub that like I sort of feel like the chaos that he brings. Yeah, like I, I, think, I, I think it's it doesn't like in games like the weekend though where it's a bit tactical, yeah. it's a bit. Yeah, you know, well, I mean maybe I just yeah. think he looks a little bit lost. Yeah. You know, maybe it's more because obviously he's got to try and you know, 
he's getting into a new league and a new group of players. Of course, it's still early days, working, isn't it? But I think that I definitely think you would be right to say the better his best performances in Evans should have come when he started. And mm-hmm. for that, I think Brentford away, you know, he was really, really good. Sheffield's right in the first, in the first, the first um, he's really, really good in the first hour and kind of laid the foundation for it to win Evans and then got and was unfortunate really that Dominic Cavalier that came off the bench to score and then started his. His, his good run of form. I thought better was, was good against Manchester City. I thought he, you know, he, he occupied their centre-backs really well. Um, so he started that game and he started the Forest game. He didn't have a bad game against Forest, but he missed the big chance. But yeah, I guess moment. we have to take some comfort from the fact that he got into that position in the first place. I am with Matt, though. I start with Dom because I think that the biggest remedy that Everton have for the problems that they face... And so many of the issues that they face are unknown. We don't know what's going to happen with the original points deduction. I'm pretty confident there'll be still be a deduction. It might get limited. It might get reduced slightly, but I'm pretty confident it doesn't get wiped out. But obviously, there might be a new one after that. Yeah, the, the biggest boost that ever can, can get them confined for the rest of their season to strengthen their position for whatever comes off the pitch is a fit and fire of Dominic Calvert-Lewin. He was crucial to that good run. You know, in the kind of the autumn of, uh, of of last year, and you know, Deitch kind of said this after the the, the Villa game that you know the longer he goes without scoring, the sooner his next goal will come around. And there's a little bit of we you know if something's not working, keep doing the same thing isn't necessarily the most sensible option. But I do think it's something that needs persevering with because Everton need him in form, and I think that certainly this season. I think Calvert-Lewin has far more to give than better perhaps does. Um, maybe that'll change, was better, acclimatises more to the league and the manager and the setup. But, you know, getting Dominic Calvert-Lewin in amongst the goals is the best remedy for the problems that Everton currently face. And I think, therefore, we should keep persevering with him. Uh, you know, in the absence of, it's not like they have a another 15-goal season striker on the bench. Mm-hmm. But in the absence of, of, of that, I think... Calvin carries on playing in the hope that he eventually plays himself into form. Yeah. And I think that it's, uh, I've said this on a couple of podcasts, I think people look, it's easy to look back on the last few weeks and think of, albeit offside, when he got played through against Wolves, tried to round Jose Sarr and didn't do it. He had the miss against Man City, it would have made it 2-2, it was a good chance. And obviously, you know, there was the big miss at the weekend. Did this allow goals well? That's what I'm yeah. coming to. I still think that the kind of... And again, it's this weird cruelty that seems to befall. Maybe it's just because maybe it happens to all. Or it doesn't happen to all clubs. When you look at how many club correspondents who probably want to go when you look at how events conspire against Everton, whether it's VAR, whether it's profit and sustainability, whether it's injuries, whether, you know, whatever it is, it's, you know, it's all just a nightmare. It's all just one torrent of, you know, one nightmarish, hellish torrent of Ill <laughs> misfortune. But if you go back to that Tottenham game, and I think it was a foul by Andre Gomez, but I, I think it was a foul by Gomez, but I think once the referee and the linesman don't give it, given the positions they were in, I don't think it should be on VAR to intervene in, because I think that was VAR then refereeing the game as opposed to, you know, they're overruling things when the when the referee and the linesman can see it well. Put that goal away, lovely. If that goal counts, just imagine what it's done for the last four weeks. I'm not saying all those chances go in, Everton probably still don't get a point against City. City was superb in that second half. 
but they might have got an extra two points attack because he might have scored that one on one, you know, against against Villa. And you just look, it just thinks it just feels like everything's conspiring against Everton. And to a certain extent, it is. <laughs> I would also start Calvert Lewin. I think you've got to play your best players back into form, haven't you? Yeah. It's simple as that. And I think he's one of Everton's best players. Whether whether we like, you know, whether people, you know, some people believe he should do a bit more, but he's Everton's most prominent natural number nine who can do a whole host of things other than just score goals. But yeah, I was also thrown back in. Lads, prediction time. Joe, I'll start with you. Yeah, I think Everton win tomorrow. I think 2 0. 2 0. Are you feeling as confident, Matt? Yeah, it feels like every time we play these, it's either 3 2 or 0 0. Palace have been. <laughs> so. Well, Palace have, have been the only. It's felt for a long time like Everton have been the side that a team that's struggling come to to get their pick me up. And Palace, weirdly, ever since they actually hammered Everton in the FA Cup under, yeah. under Lampard, since then, they've been Everton's remedy, haven't they? They've had yeah, the, yeah. the, the 3-2 in the last season against Frank. You had the 3-0 under Frank, which is probably the, the best moment of what he was, the high point of what he was trying to do there. Obviously, 0-0 at Palace under Deitch was a useful point. Yeah. Then they had the great win and when Idrissa Gay scored. You know, it's And even the 0-0 in the first FA Cup game was a good... A good result at the time, I, I thought. They were on charge, you know? weren't they? They were yeah. comfortably better team. Everton and fourth back yeah. in that game. Um, and could have even won it when they had, they had 10 men. So, yeah, I'm continuing the theme, I'll go 3 2 to Everton. 3 2 to Everton? Oh. Yeah. I will go 2 1. Okay. Not, is there extra time in this? There is. Yeah. And penalty kicks if required. In the snow. Anana. Anana needs to get away from it, doesn't he? He needs to be number 11 on the list. If I, I, I think there'll be some poetic justice tomorrow and Calvert yeah, Lewin will score. Yeah. After the first game when he's obviously he's got to go record against Palace. He's got to go record against Palace. You know, games should be playing in because he you know, should be sent off, etc. You know, comes back to the right. And then the other poetic justice will be Anana scoring the winning penalty at Wembley, won't it, of course? Of course, yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. oh, oh my yeah, God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to get to Wembley even thinking about the balance. Imagine that. Everyone. Winning penalty, shirt off, oh. F master. Wembley, see you, Blue. I remember saying, but it, that, that is the case. I think when he's walking up the ball, you'll just look at the Everton end of everyone off the head and hands going, oh, no, 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 what's going on? Uh, <laughs> I said, well, that flashback when Jagielka walked up for Man United uh, and everyone was like, why is, why is our centre-back taking this penalty? But he's uh, equally dispatched. But uh, Halcyon days then. Yeah, they, they were the good times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, lads, I think we will leave things there. We will, of course, be back at the end of the week, talk back on Palace and everything else that has gone on. The club's obviously haven't had no game this weekend, but... As always, there's plenty of things to talk about because there's never a dull moment with the Blues at the minute, is it? But for today, thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.